let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to Opinions, and we are just about recovered from last night's fantasy pub call shenanigans, aren't we, mate? Yeah, well, I mean, as I've said before, I don't really suffer the next day. So how are you feeling, Steve, after it? Um, I'm okay. Uh, whether or not drinking beer right now is, is the best idea I've ever had, I'm, I'm not sure. But we shall see as we uh, <laughs> continue through the show. But we'll come back to talk about the Fantasy Pub Crawl in a while because we are joined uh, this week by a guest drinker. Uh, welcome, Paul Grant, to the show. How are you doing, Paul? Very well. I feel, I feel significantly better than you sound on that one then. Um, and we have got beer in glass already this week. Um, Martin and I are drinking Nightingale, a New England Pal from Signature Brew, which we'll talk a little bit about uh, in a moment. Uh, Paul, what's in your glass? Uh, I have Pilot Blonde. Pilots are very well known as Twitter joke market merchants, but they make very good beer. They're, they're one of Edinburgh and Scotland's best breweries. They're found, it can be found in a lot of bars you wouldn't expect to see it and are an absolute lifesaver when you've got nothing but absolute rubbish macro laggers on, on four or five lines, and then suddenly that's their Pilot Blonde or one of their other sort of pale beers. Uh, they were one of the first to sort of go in for the sort of hazy thing, whether accidentally or by design. Uh, the Blonde, very fresh, you know, full of orange, oats and wheat, so it's very, so very murky as well, coming out the can as well. Um, but yeah, so it's a very nice beer, very nice 4% beer just to get the evening started. It's nice, easing yourself in, whereas uh-huh. Martin and I have just decided to go straight at 5.4% with the Nightingale. Mm-hmm. Well, why, why wouldn't you? Eh? Exactly, exactly. But, uh, I um, think a lot of the descriptors Paul's got there will probably apply to the beer we're, we're having now, Steve. Absolutely, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And I, um, I, I did discover shortly before the, the, the podcast, after the having to agree to drink this beer, on this week's show, that um, it's got my new favourite hop in it as, as yeah. well. I discovered this a couple of days ago and I purposely didn't share it with you, Steve. It's honestly, but you have subsequently found out. Yeah. Um, I know there are other hops in it, but unfortunately that one's dominating for me. So I'm getting a lot of that herbalness, the, the, the pineapple, the, the tropical fruit squash. Um, that's, that's what seems to be dominating. Um, for me, it is, it is fairly light. Um, I wouldn't exactly say it's got a clean, crisp finish. It's the, the, the finish is a little bit sweet. Um, it's a little bit juicy, but then that's that's the style that the beer is. Yeah, I'm not so much getting the sweet. This is definitely the the juiciness. Um, it's it's on the hazy side or dark, you know, full hazy side rather than maybe full on juice merchant type beer. Um, it's also got some quite nice sort of orange piffy notes for me but yes the herbaceousness if that's even a word of the sabro hop um you know it's there yes yeah. you know given that two of the other hops in the beer are citra mosaic which i think we would probably say are two of our favorite hops steve the sabro is letting its presence be known absolutely it very much dominates yeah yeah so, i mean i don't um, think i'm finding it quite as dominating as you but i know it's there yeah, and I just wish you had told me. But, so thanks for that one. I'd really Great. appreciate it. Um, 
however, I'm, I'm willing to drink this beer because it has been uh, brewed for a good cause. Um, so it was originally brewed with the women of the Manchester Punk Festival, um, which obviously in the situation that we find ourselves in has subsequently been cancelled. Um, and rather than, obviously Signature Brew had the, the, the beer in tank, and, and rather than it going to waste, they kind of repurposed it, so to speak. Um, and they've dedicated it to the staff of the NHS. So for every can of this that they sell, they're going to donate one pound um, to NHS charities. So I think that's that's a great cause. Um, just just yeah. in that little can there is is you know just just the one pound going to charities. So good good on Signature Brew for that one. Absolutely. Um, it is a shame that Man- Manchester Punk Week Festival didn't go down this year. Um, I have a lot of friends that are involved in in that weekender um a lot of touring acts uh runaway brewery always have a big punk brunch i think it's runaway runaway are usually quite heavily involved with it um i think cloudwater gets involved so it does it is extending quite far along beer lines as well i mean man punk beer manchester kind of go hand in hand very traditionally it's quite funny that this is a a beer with sabro you know looking back five five eight years ago this is not the sort of beer I'd be expecting a lot of punks to be drinking, but that shows how far beer has come along that we're now at this point where we can do something like that and it's accepted for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't, couldn't, couldn't agree more. Um, now, obviously we were, we were sent this by Signature Brew, uh, this and the second beer that we'll be featuring tonight. So it's a massive thanks to the guys at Signature Brew um, for, for that as well. We do appreciate them sending it over so that we can do our little bit to, to raise awareness of what, what they're doing. Um, that being said, we've got a little bit of news this week, so let's jump straight into that. Martin, you've got um, a, a story to share with us, haven't you? Yeah, um, I wasn't aware some countries were so far down the line but uh, of reopening venues, but I was speaking to my brother in Germany today who he lives out and works there. Uh, his wife works in a bar, and she was back in today to chat with her colleagues and her bosses about how they were planning to implement and followed the government guidelines uh, with a view to opening tomorrow. So we're recording on Sunday. So the plan is to open on uh, Monday, the 11th of May. Uh, Monday sounds like a sensible day if you are going to reopen uh, hospitality venues, I guess, rather than wait maybe a, a Friday or a Saturday. Um, but yeah, briefly talking about the guidelines, some of them do dovetail quite nicely with what we discussed on the last podcast and what uh, Mark was talking about. You know, table service, um, small groups, same households, uh, distance between the tables, no bar service, um, face masks when you come in, face masks when you go to the loo, but when you're sitting at the table, presumably because to drink, you need to move the face mask anyway. Um, so, yeah, there, there there's quite seems to be quite a few things they're going to have to follow, and I think the, the natural outcome of that will be for them because it's... Uh, it's quite a sizable Irish pub in Cologne that uh, my, my, my sister-in-law works at. So I think they're going to have a few challenges about how they quite find the way to move tables, chairs and, and work around the new, the new guidelines. But I'll be interested to, uh, we're having a bit of a weekly catch up on WhatsApp. So hopefully the next time I, I, I uh, speak to Paul, I'll, um, I'll have a catch up with him and find out. But I have to admit, bearing in mind, Germany have only started relaxing some of their uh, restrictions over the last few weeks. This is quite early on in, in, in my thinking to get 
pubs and bars opened. So, well, yeah, because all, all we've been hearing here in the UK is August, at possibly the earliest, October, maybe even as, as, as late as the end of the year, beginning of next year. And, and it's interesting to see Germany, who I think only in, in terms of the curve that's often spoken about, only two weeks in front of us or, or something like that in terms of the curve, that they're actually talking about reopening hospitality this early. Yeah, they went in bigger on the um, testing and things like that, though, didn't they, as well? And I think they've had a lot less actual confirmed cases and confirmed deaths from COVID as well. So yeah, they've, they've, it, still seems, it still seems quite early to me. And yeah. there's no restrictions on opening hours. Once you know, you're open, you're open. It's not like they're opening and then closing and then opening again. It's fairly much the hours that they would have had beforehand as well. Yeah, I believe... I believe- Bavaria is starting to reopen the bars from the 13th of May, whatever day that works out, Wednesday. I think I read somewhere it was, that was when they were talking about that sort of area reopening all of its bars as well. I've got a friend out in Germany who does spends a lot of time here. Uh, and he was saying, I was chatting to him recently because he, he was messaging me. He was going, hey, how are you holding up and all this? Like, I was telling him all that and then saw that bit of news. And yeah, so I've requested that he goes, how's a nice delicious pint for me when he gets there i'm sure i'm sure he'll be delighted to do that for you (laughs) oh i've no doubt um it it does feel like we're a long way away from ourselves having that first pint in a bar when when they all reopen that was one of the things that i was um actually going to ask you paul because you you work in a bar don't don't you so i'm guessing um at this stage you've had no indication of, of of when you might be going back no, and any indication would have to come from higher up in government in the first place and start trickling down through organizations and pub codes and stuff. The, and it's, you know, you know, we're all at home, we can, we're all watching the news. And I, like, like we were saying August at the earliest, and I, at this point, I really can see August being the earliest to, that we get the reopening done. It's because it just isn't quite get, we're not at the end of the tunnel, we're, we're not through the worst of it yeah really it's and it's such a it's got such a knock-on effect of two three weeks down the line that it's very easy to look at the numbers and go oh this is fine now but it's still got such a lag time to it that it's so difficult to say we but i haven't heard anything otherwise because you're in you're in scotland as well aren't you so there although there are slightly different rules for each of the, the the home countries. I know that they're largely trying to stay in line with one another in terms of what they're doing. So mm-hmm. it's it's quite interesting to see that at the moment the guidance that you're getting is exactly the same as what we're hearing, um, and that you, you know there is as as we speak today there is no kind of planned reopening for for, for pubs and bars. And pubs and bars and such venues will be the last to reopen as well. It's and it'll. Our, I, I do think our reopening, all the reopening as far as the economy in, in you know, in parentheses there, it's going to be very staggered. It's going to start with shops first. It's going to start with those sort of industries and pubs, live music, anywhere where people are going to be crowded together are going to be the last to open, it seems. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think that's, that's sort of what we discussed last time as well. And yeah. Unfortunately, I still, I still think that not everyone will, even when uh, places can open, but everywhere will open because some places it won't be economically viable. We actually closed for about a week and a half for a refurbishment after the Scotland 
France rugby match, whatever the date that was, the 9th of March. We closed for we closed till the next Thursday, Friday. And by the time we reopened, the world had changed around us and we were trying to move tables to space people out and have less chairs and stools and such around the place so that people weren't going to sort of crowd around it. But it's we're not very good at following these guidelines at the moment, whatever is going to come out. You know, I've seen enough pub groups come in and take and gather up a bunch of stools and chairs and sit around one table. So I don't, so I can just see that going horribly wrong for, for a lot of bars. It's going to, it's going to cause a lot of loggerheads. Essentially, it's going to be quite difficult because you've got these this guidance, but you've got people that don't want to follow it, and where and the bar is caught in the middle of it. Yeah, and that will be an unenviable place to be as well. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not relishing being the guy that tells a group of people at ten o'clock on a Friday. Sorry, guys, can't have you all crowded around the table. That's that's not something I look forward to. I think I think for for, for the foreseeable future, there's going to be a lot more online drinking gatherings, aren't there? Um, which we're all getting quite used to now. Oh yeah, it's I've ironically I've had more Saturday nights free since this all started than I ever have in eight nine years anyway. Since I or at least since I started working in bars, but of course I can't go out because the bars are closed. <laughs> so, so there has been a lot of catching up with people, drinking, drinking online, drinking on Zoom, sort of thing. Um, a place I used to work stopped working at about seven years ago, tourist attraction bunch of former staff we all have a saturday night pub quiz at the moment that's quite fun so we all catch up and we all have a bit of a laugh with the rounds and stuff and you know kind of check in on everyone else um and then other sort of friend groups of mine that are sort of all over the place it's very nice that we can all get together at the moment and have a drink as well regardless of where we all are some of these habits will stick as well there'll be some things that stick Mm -hmm. um with regard to this because we are getting more au okay with the tech we're feeling unless you know let's be honest it's not the same as being in the same room or venue as other people um but it's getting quite close to being the next best thing and, well we and- we took full advantage of that last night didn't we <laughs> with, with, with the fantasy pub crawl um, yeah, i did like the fact that i had to go up a flight of stairs when i when i, when I finished <laughs> Uh, which is which is quite a nice segue into what we've been up to actually. So um, a little a little bit of a look back uh, at last night's um, shenanigans, shall we say, mate? Um, we did the four sessions. Had had some different groups of people in across the four sessions. Uh, some different chats. Quite a lot of beers were consumed. Quite a lot of laughter was had. Um, and it was uh, on the whole quite an enjoyable evening. I think it's a very enjoyable evening. Um, I- from everything that we've seen on social media, on, on Twitter especially, since uh, the Saturday evening, uh, it's been very positive. I thoroughly enjoyed it. The time flew by, breaking it down into four four sessions of about 50 minutes each, um, you know, using our fantasy pub crawl theme. So, you know, Dublin to Manchester to Chelmsford to Colchester. Um, worked really well. Evening flew by. Five out, and because you weren't actually walking between venues, it was pretty much for us about five hours solid, solid drinking in the end. Yeah, you didn't need to have any sort of break really. The biggest break was sink to rinse glass, fridge to refresh beer, or maybe the loo, and that was about it. <laughs> so um, yeah, it was really good. It was really good to see people again. Good to see some people for the first time on, you know, if we're saying virtually to meet them. Really enjoyable. 
quite a few people got into the spirit of it with their own uh, Zoom virtual backgrounds as well. And uh, Matt, half pint gent, even went to the extra level of having a green uh, tablecloth behind him so that he could do the real green screen thing with the virtual background. And, and to be fair, it looked good. The it came out really well, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I did. Yeah, I, I think- uh, I did see on Twitter both of yours were was it the Victoria the Victoria Inn was yeah. your your Zoom backgrounds. I saw that and so I was like, oh, I almost recognise this. I almost <laughs> recognise this. Uh, yeah, because I saw some people tweeting about it when they were while it was going down. I was like, I say I was in my other pub quiz. Otherwise, I would have dropped by. But it looked like a good night for everyone. Well, was... there may well be an opportunity for you in the future, Paul. Oh, absolutely. Well, lovely segue there. Um, I was, I was going to say, it went so well that we've decided we're going to do it again. Um, <laughs> so um, this time on Saturday, the 23rd of May, it's going to be the same format. We're going to run four sessions uh, across the evening. Um, you'll have to book the, the tickets via Eventbrite. There'll be links in show, note, uh, show notes for each of the sessions. Uh, again, we would ask initially if people can just book on one session for, for the time being so that we can try and get as many people across those four sessions as possible. We will obviously update you on a week-to-week basis as to what we're doing with that. Um, the code, the password that you will need to access the tickets is Monopoly. Um, and we would love to see people join us. And this time, we're going to continue along the fantasy pub cool theme but we're gonna focus on fantasy pubs of europe aren't we mate yeah uh, specifically mainland europe so obviously we featured dublin on the uh, first one at the early bird session anyway but yeah mainland europe show us your uh, your favorite bars either ones you've been to or ones which are on the must visit list get as your zoom background and uh you can let us know on the night why you'd want to go there or what how good it was when you were there so yeah, and uh, you know, the, uh, there are many different themes we could use, but um, I think the Europe, the continental Europe one would be quite a good one because most people will have a bar or bars that they visited that they are yearning to return to, mm-hmm. or ones that they have, or ones they were going to go and visit this year, perhaps. So, and, and by then we might have a bit more of an idea as to when we might be able to start thinking about doing some of these things again. Yeah, real, real world stuff. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, absolutely. Like I said, links are in the show notes. Um, join us. It was a great la- night last night, and, and I'm sure the next one will be fantastic as well. Now, I'm almost at the end of my um, signature brew, Nightingale. Um, I can see Martin's just just finishing off off his. Uh, Martin, any final thoughts, mate? I pretty much forgot the Sabro was there as I went through the beer. Um, I think it was actually quite well balanced. Maybe this the addition of the Sabro hop, as much as some of its notes, if it's used too much, aren't to my liking, may have balanced out some of those softer stone fruit sweet notes that I'm not a massive fan of either. So by and large, I'd have it again. Okay. Um, it's not one for me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to admit it's not a, a, a style that I'm, I'm keen on. As, as it is the, the New England style. And for, for me, that Sabro just dominated. Um, but, you, you know, if you're into tropical fruit squash flavours, um, it's, it's full of them. Um, and it is, it's fairly light at 5.4% as well. Um, so you, you could have probably a decent session on it. If, yeah, if, I if think so. Like I think it's actually quite light in body as well. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, what about your um, blonde beer? I think you finished that ages ago. Didn't yes, you? yes, I did. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, 
it's not a beer that sticks around long whenever I get whenever I drink it. It's uh, whether in can or non drafted, it very much goes down very quickly because it's just it's just so down the middle good. It's so well done by like say by a bunch of guys who spend most of their time on Twitter making jokes about being sold out to AB InBev or whatever they're up to this week or whatever bit of jokes I, they can find. I have to say we don't we don't really see a lot of pilot down here. Um, no. Occasionally we might see the cans pop up. Uh, very, very rarely see them in in in, in pubs and bars. Yeah, yeah before they, they, yeah, taps. yeah, before they before they moved sites in beginning of last year, uh, they were very much uh, they were in. There was just no way to get it. They had so many permanent lines. They were they were so in demand for their core beers that they just had no. There was just no opportunity for a decent amount of kegs or or until they started canning cans, sort of making it out. There was just it just wasn't there but now now that they've got their newer site they've got more fermentation space they've got more space to expand um i think there was talk of them putting in a tap room before before the covid um which would be quite nice um because they were in essentially just a garage you know light industrial estate garage that you know of, you know the kind that we've seen up and down the country for the past 10 12 years very much a big roller door at one end dodgy toilet at the other end sort of thing it's it's a and they were in the old space. They were having to move almost all all the ready beer out on pallets to get into the brewery in the first place, and then put it all back at the end of the day. That's that's how little space they had to stay on top of orders and demands. So it's so we're it's, you know it's it's a brewery that we can we're we're really glad to have in Edinburgh anyway. Well, hopefully they'll you know once things uh, change and improve, and hopefully they can still kick on with that idea and. They can carry on. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing their beers on tap at some mm-hmm. of the places we go to. But yeah, I can't even recall a time I saw a pilot on tap. So Paul, what's your, what's your second drink? My second drink is, tonight is the St. Magnus ESB from Swanee Brewery in up in Orkney. Um, Rob Hill, who runs or, or, uh, Swanee Brewery, uh, comes from a very traditional English family brewer background. I believe he was sort of sort of Lancashire direction for a long time before he moved up to Orkney, joined some th- one of the breweries that's now part of the Atlas group, which is Atlas Brewing, Sinclair Brewery, and Orkney Brewery, who do Skull Splitter, which is sort of their sort of most common bottled beer. Um, so yeah, Swanee's always been very traditional, very cask-driven. Um, Rob's son, Lewis, occasionally gets to play around with something very modern, so he's done sort of very modern IPAs as well. They've canned occasionally. Um, so it's, so it's, I don't remember this ever being called an ESB from back in the day. It's, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I don't remember ever seeing it be called that and poured it pretty poorly. That's That's, got a, I mean, obviously we can see your beer on our, our screen and it's got a similar sort of color to the Fuller's ESB. Yes. It's going to, it tastes very much in that direction. It's, I feel it's a little bit better put together than the Fuller's ESB. I've always, whenever I've had it, it's always felt a beer that's very close to being, what an ESB is described as, but it's very, it just misses it somehow. Whereas this is a lot tighter. It's a lot, it's a lot more bitter. So it's, oh, that is very good. Oh, well, it, it does. It does sound rather nice. I have to admit, and it looked good in the glass. Yep. Steve, what you got? I've got uh, a second beer from Signature Brew. Uh, this is called All Together, which is part of a worldwide collaboration that's going on at the moment. So. Um, when this situation started, other half brewing from New York 
um, shared this recipe with any brewery that wanted to use it and tried to encourage them to raise um, raise funds for, for people that work in the hospitality industry. So 718 breweries from 51 countries around the world have taken the recipe and they've created their own version of it. It's It's all got the same front label, which is plain white and the words all together written in black and then each each of the individual breweries have been asked to put their own bit on the on the label as well so signature brew have, have chosen uh, a scene from a, a, a concert that went on on uh, at their brewery so um, it's six percent it's an India parallel um, it, it pours quite quite hazy I'd, I'd say um, not really too much on the nose I might have it a little bit cold there's a little bit of dankness there but okay, um, dankness would be welcome a lot of yes. the time for us. Yeah, um, but I'll get into that in a second. What What have you just poured, mate? Um, I've got a pink beer. Um, it, it's definitely not uh, like the IPA or the traditional or any of the uh, New England style stuff we had earlier. I have again from Signature Brew. It's called Pink Vinyl, and it's described as a fruited goes. Uh, comes in at four point six percent. And it is very, very fruity, but it's a very light body. So again, it's a light fruitiness to it. And uh, I actually feel like I'm going to get a lot from it, but I wish I'd had it a bit colder now, because I reckon it would have been re even sharper on that initial uh, tasting. I, but, I tried that a couple delicious. of days ago. It is really delicious. And I was, I was blown away at just how tasty it was. I had it really cold from the fridge, and it's, it's fair to say that it didn't last very long in my glass. Um, it's more more on the tart side that I enjoy rather than on the sour side. And the, the salty finish is really well balanced with the fruits that they've used in that. It, work, um, it does work particularly well, That just that right at the back end of it where that little bit of saltiness comes in. And all it does is prep you for wanting to have another drop. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's really good. And this would be one of those beers to share with someone who says they don't like beer, because this is the one one of those beers where you go right. But have you had something like this before? Yeah, I mean, I, like I say, I really, really enjoyed it. I can't stress how much I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed that beer. Steve, have you enjoyed it? I did enjoy it. Yes, it was very Excellent. tasty. Yeah. <laughs> Well, while we're enjoying these beers, let's get into this week's question. Opinions, 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 opinions. Which was, over the last few months, how have you been feeling about new beer releases? 378 votes on this one. Uh, more FOMO, 20.6%. Less FOMO, 25.1%. And no FOMO, 54.2%. So uh, over half of those that voted are, are suffering from no FOMO, uh, whatsoever uh, at the moment. Um, let's get straight into our views on on this one now. Now, Paul, I know you did make a comment on this. I did. Um, yes, I'm, it, it is on the show notes. But can you remember what you said? Um, I think so. What I said was it, mine. So roughly, uh, you know, trying to say this in 280 characters didn't quite get it across. Mine's manifested itself a little bit more because I can't just go to a beer shop on the way to work or coming home from work or whenever I've got the opportunity to pick up a couple of bottles or a couple of cans. So it's very much, I feel I have to justify the amount of FOMO I have going on. I did, I did crack at the end, at the beginning of April and ordered myself a case of cans from Burning Sky because everybody was talking about that indecision time 692 that they did. So, which was just 
absolutely perfect. Um, so it's very much a, but I'm also trying to get more beer delivered as well so that because there is more delivery available it seems now instead of trying to go out so it's very much a it's kind of kid in the candy shop sort of thing looking through everybody's beer selections that they've got online going oh I'd like this I'd like that so it's so it so I think it's the amount of FOMO isn't much different it's how it's how it's how it's playing out more than anything else okay that's an interesting distinction actually um and you know while we're sharing our thoughts i'm probably i i voted yes um but mine probably is more on the same wavelength as paul because i work in london five days a week some beer releases i would naturally be able to come across by going to a bar Mm -hmm. and so i would think i would suspect there's two or three bars which aren't that far from me that one or two of these will probably hit there so i was maybe a little bit more laid back about it whereas now um like you say paul you're seeing it a little bit differently your options for getting those beers in um have reduced and you know i've definitely probably ordered a few more of what i would have classed previously as fomo beers or maybe more appropriate for me fomo breweries I tend to be doing a lot of brewery orders orders from particular breweries rather than just um individual beers and also you're doing an order and they go i don't know you spend 50 pound you get free shipping mm-hmm. you know shipping might only be five pound but i'll go up to the 50 pound to avoid that shipping charge if i can do it and so you end up throwing a few more things in and there might be a special in there and you throw that in uh, and going back to your burning sky pool although i haven't ordered any burning sky yet there's been a lot of love uh for the burnings uh, they hit they hit cans at the right time yeah they hit cans yeah. at the right time yeah uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, it, I'm, I'm definitely in the more FOMO. What about you, Steve? I I want to say that I've I, I've got no FOMO and I don't really panic about new beer releases. However, I imagine every one of our listeners is currently screaming, "Hang on, didn't you order a case of Pondera <laughs> the, the minute it came out because you didn't want to miss out on it?" Um, I, I think part of part of my issue at the moment is I've, I've got a lot of time on my hands. So I, I spend quite a lot of my day just <laughs> scrolling through social media. And occasionally I will see somebody's just bought this or somebody's just bought that or somebody's released this. And I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, I need that. <laughs> yep. Yep. And, and you just end up randomly buying things, you know, the, the, the other week I, because somebody had posted a picture that they had bought some, um, beers from magic rock with one of those sort of like stubby pint glasses i was like well, well i need one of them and well i might as well get myself four cans of cannonball while i'm there yep. sort of thing you know and it was it was a totally unnecessary purchase but i did it anyway yeah the set, the sort of last part of my comment that i made on that poll was that there's a handful of people who who do actually, who I do trust when they are posting about new beers, I'm like, actually, you know what, this is going to be a very good beer because I know that they've posted about it and they've been, and they're not the ones that I go that are going for something because it's just new. It's They are saying, oh, this is very good because it is very good. Um, Chris Hall, uh, who's now at Helen Hops, he gets he sets my FOMO off like nobody else because <laughs> he, because generally because he is such a lovely person and because he has... I think his opinions and sort of taste in beer roughly align with mine. But he also takes some of the most beautiful photos when he posts them to Instagram as well. Yeah. 
Um, I think that's what does it as well. Um, and of course, Pondera is now in certain Morrisons as well. Yep, still not made it to mine yet. But yeah, I'm, still I'm, not made it to mine either. I'm happy it's, with the order that I got. It's it's made it to my to my local Morrisons anyway, along with a lot of that new range as well. Um, I didn't go in on all of them. I got the handful of things that interested me: um, Pondera, um, Jackhammer cans, a couple of other things that wish I could remember what it was. Now um, those were the ones that I looked at when I was doing a shop in Morrisons. I just I wonder if 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 some people's FOMO has actually shifted um, direction to the supermarkets mm -hmm. at the moment in terms of certainly the, the, the two that spring to mind are both Morrison's and Tesco's who uh, seem to be constantly bringing new beers into store. And, and there does seem to be a lot of people that are now actually panicking that they can't get hold of these amazing supermarket beers, mm -hmm. for want of a better phrase. Well, that, a lot of that's come from Tesco as well. That's uh... Donald, who's the beer buyer, sort of when the first when the first wave of their brand new craft range a couple of years ago was was or about a year and a half ago when that first properly kicked in, everybody was like, oh, can now get Cannonball and Tesco and that sort of thing. And when that first launched, so I think he does a very good job of creating that sort of FOMO as well. Um, yeah, it's probably a good point, Steve. I think we're only supposed to go to the supermarket, essential shopping, that kind of stuff. You know you get that notification come up about a beer that's landing and you know, you or someone else in your family's done the shopping the day before. It's like, uh, do I, do I make that trip in between? Do I wait? Will they have it? Will it even be there? You know, supermarkets have become a bit of an outing in some respects, a bit of a thing. Yeah. Going to the supermarket There's a bit more planning involved these days. So perhaps it could be. And of course the nature of supermarket stocking is that they won't be holding a lot of stock as well. So it's very likely that, any new beer that goes into a Morrison's will be, you'd be lucky if it's 24 cans at any one time of, of something of a new line like that. Um, you see certain ones that are stocked in sort of rows in sort of packets of 12. So that's, so they're never really holding on to too much at any one time. So that FOMO kind of builds on itself because, you know, it doesn't take much for some, for six, seven people to go in and grab a couple of cans of, jackhammer and that's that gone yeah i t totally totally agree what you're saying there and, and i think i'm quite lucky that um people around here don't really seem to be going for, for those new beers they've got a lot of very traditional drinkers around here so i, I seem to be still getting getting my wins when i go into to, to the supermarket so to speak um let's um let's dive in and see what some of the, the the listeners have said about this as as always we're really grateful for everybody that commented uh if you want to have a look at all of the responses there's a link in the show notes to the question you can click on that and you can read through all the responses so first up from barry m at Abarmaz. uh living where i do i left fomo behind a long time ago now correct me if i'm wrong but i think barry lives in germany doesn't he yeah in the in a small village uh surrounded by greenery and orchards yeah, so it's, it's, quite, it's quite easy to leave FOMO behind when you're surrounded by those scenes, isn't it? Yeah, although I do get FOMO sometimes of the beers he's, beer or ciders he's producing himself. He does a lot of homebrew, doesn't he? Yeah. 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 I've, I've tasted some of it as well, and it's very good. Really? Yeah. Nice one. Very good. Uh, James at Gammon Barron, no FOMO. Haven't used Untapped since March. I'm more bothered about what my wife is getting from Morrison's and going in the fridge than what I'm seeing on beer, Twitter or Instagram. So it kind of lends itself to the discussion we just had there a little bit. Yeah, exactly. From Simon Clark at Simon Carbon, I think most of the FOMO Brigade are on Instagram these days. 
Um, I think Simon, like us, Simon Beers Without Frontiers, very much Twitter, uh, yeah. social mediaites rather than anything else. I don't get beer Instagram. I, I really don't. No, I don't. And um, it hasn't really, we, we don't really get any engagement there. We, well, we, we've, we've, stopped, um, we've stopped using Instagram because all, all, all of our engagement is on, is on Twitter. This, we've, we've said this a number of times. Twitter is where the Beer O'Clock Show lives. That's, that's, that's where we are. Uh, yes, we've got a Facebook page, get very little engagement on that. And, and we tried for a while with Instagram doing the stories and all the rest of it. And I guess, mate, I just guess we're not cool enough to, to, to use Instagram and get how it works. That won't be the first time that's said. <laughs> the, the only Instagram beer, sort of beer hype Instagram that I follow are ones that are mocking that culture. The ones that post screen grabs of comments people go, of people going, oh, your can's sold out in 10 seconds. Oh, I'm never buying your beer ever again. That, that sort of crowd, uh, untapped WTF and uh, Hazy Boys, they're, they're kind of the best for that because it's it's not a great culture on Instagram that way because there is no real discourse. It's such a visual medium that you need that sort of instant gratification of that image. You need that you need that Iceman pour. You need that strange glass to pour into. There's there's never any real sort of conversation about what the beer actually is. It's always about being seen with it. John Moore at the Beer Idiot. I started trying a couple of years ago to ignore the hype and FOMO for the pure reason, but I just can't drink every beer that gets released, especially when there's 2,000 plus breweries and a large proportion of them have regular new releases. Don't get me wrong, there are beer releases where I think I'll definitely try that if I see it about, but I'd much rather go somewhere and just see what they have. Fair comment. I think I think that's yeah. that's kind of lends itself a little bit to what you said, wasn't it, at the beginning, mate, that you, you know if you're in somewhere and you see something new, you'll get to try it. Yeah. Without even knowing about the FOMO bit, if you go in somewhere and they've got like 20 taps, you're going to find something that you haven't had before and it might be something you may not get to try again. There's a good chance that sort of beer will be available. Yeah. Um, we're, in a, you know, we're in a time in our lives when those options aren't, aren't necessarily available. From Simon Dewhurst, that's Simon Sloth. I can't deny the fact that I get FOMO when listening to you guys raving about the latest releases. So much so that I'm getting a delivery of Pondera this week just off the back of your reviews. <laughs> I hope he likes it. <laughs> so do I, after, <laughs> after that. Uh, Richard Taylor at Richard Taylor 1608 I was done with FOMO a few years ago, but I used to chase new releases, but ended up getting mainly disappointed. I prefer to spend my time focusing on the styles I like and doing a little bit more research on beers. Is there really FOMO nowadays, or are we all a little bit more savvy? Oh, I think you can. I think you can be savvy and still have FOMO. Yeah. To be honest, I mean the Pondera. It had Thornbridge. It was. It had West Coast IPA. It had Thornbridge, and then they threw Firestone Walker into the mix. Yeah, you, you had me at West Coast. So literally, you had me at West Coast. Yeah. So I, I was. I was in straight away. Yeah. And that's. But that was also with me saying. You know, I'm pretty confident Formbridge are going to nail it. And then they're thrown in Firestone Walker as well. Absolutely. Without a it, doubt, yeah. It's it's very much a laser-focused FOMO. It's not such a wide range of one going, oh, this new beer is out, this new beer is out. It's a case of, here's these breweries or styles that I like and going, oh, there's something new from that. Like, you know, Burning Sky, I could buy, well, coming back to them, I could pick up anything from them and know it's going to be brilliant regardless of what it is. Um, Thornbridge always produced very good stuff as well, and I've been I've been circling around a Thornbridge order for the last two months. At this point, it's always been it's always been at the back of my mind a threatening 
sort of thing, but there's always been other things that I've dived in for. Um, elusive Brewing I've put in a box, got a box of, because, um, well, Andy Parker makes great beers and he's one of the, another one of those absolutely spectacular beer industry people. Um, and there's a few other breweries that I think are ahead of Thornbridge before I go put in a box of them. Um, but it's, yeah, go, looking through, looking at their website and looking at what's available is very, it's got me reaching for the credit card sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, 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 actually one of your comments there, we all have breweries that we trust and most of the time, you're so, you like the pro, the output from that brewery, but almost whatever the next thing they do almost becomes I will have that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you're you obviously you're definitely not alone with the burning sky love. Um, and to be honest, I don't recall a time I've had a bad or a, a, a less than pleasurable experience with burning sky beers. And that's the same for me for say Formbridge, Colonel, Adnams, that kind of places. But I will almost jump in it straight away, regardless. So yeah, I, I can get that. I can get that, um, and it sort of lends itself. So from Paul at you and RCD, I think breweries' core ranges are what I'm seeking more than anything. So you know the, those breweries that he knows, he trusts the core ranges, the style of beers. I, I, again, I can see why you'd maybe go more for a brewery a lot of the time at the moment than just individual new twelve percent triple IPA or something. From points of brew at points of brew, weird because I think I get FOMO from spending more time on social media, seeing more beer flying around, but that hasn't made me chase the beer as much. Yes, I've noticed I'm missing it more, but I haven't chased it anymore. If I, if I get it, I do. If I don't, I don't. Sounds fairly pragmatic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dr. Goggles at Burnt Engel. No FOMO. I'm not visiting my favourite bar, so not getting the hype from there. Not visiting my bottle shop, although they do deliver. Not even seeing as much hype on social media. I'm just ordering core beers from good local breweries and supermarket stuff. So a lot of people just keep coming back to that supermarket issue. Um, and, you know, with, with such, such a range of beers available in supermarkets these days, it's, it's getting very difficult to ignore it, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Uh, from Sean O'Reilly at Uncrudia, living miles from a bottle shop and with a limited beer budget, I have long accepted that I will miss out on many hype beers. It used to bother me, but it hasn't for quite a while now. I enjoy what I drink. Worrying about what I'm not drinking is a waste of mental energy. That's a great comment. It is a great comment. Uh, and, and, you know, to be fair to Sean, um, he, he's a pretty pretty good home brewer as well. So you can definitely get get going on that as well if he wants to every now and again and yeah he's not, gonna, he's not gonna be short of beer is he yeah we've been lucky enough to sample a few and they, they are very good from mark johnson at mark n johnson somewhat surprisingly more as a regular pub bar goer my previous philosophy was if i see it i'll have it but with nowhere to go and only online interaction i am feeling the fomo more and that is leading to unusual online orders case in point ordering Pondera last week. There it is again. Love. (laughs) Uh, From Gavin Hutsby at Seguane82. I remember the exact moment I was done with FOMO in the beer scene. I had clamoured for an exclusive beer release and even had to get a friend to get it for me. Then I had to collect from them. I was underwhelmed by it. I decided there and then I wouldn't go out of my way again. That was it. Yeah, you can you can have an experience like that, can't you? I mean, I've I, I've been there, you know. I've 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 paid what you could say is over the odds for a beer, you know, six, seven, eight, 
nine pounds even a can and you get it home and you're really disappointed with it and I've, I've got to a point where you know, budget certainly dictates some of it, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to spend that money on a beer when I know I can get pay three quid for a can of Thornbridge Pondera and and get a quality beer time after time. I think that's quite right. And you know, we we have to, you know, we still have to live within our means, whatever those means are, whatever your judgment is, you still have to live within them. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, and finally, from Guzzler at Lagging Boat. The trouble is, even if you have no real interest in chasing current hype beers, everywhere you look nowadays, there are people raving about them. You've got untapped Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. The FOMO struggle is real. Laughing emoji. <laughs> I'm, I'm not so sure about that. I mean, I think pretty much the same as what Paul said at the outset. You know, there are, there are some people that I follow on Twitter that if they're raving about a new beer will make my ears prick up because I'll be like, I trust this person and I trust their opinion and I value their opinion. And if they're saying that beer is good, then I want to try and find that. But I don't, I don't worry about it and anymore. I, you know, it's just, if I can get hold of it, I can get hold of it. If I can't, there's, there's plenty of other tasty beer in the world to drink. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's probably where, I reckon that's probably where most people land anyway nowadays. Yeah. So I think there are still things you see that you want. Yeah. But I'm not going to order, like the guy who said that, put him off forever. I'm not going to just order one hype beer. It's got to be part of a range of beers that I actually want as well. Whether that be from an independent shop or a brewery, I'm not just going to go into the one. Especially not in these days where you have to make some sort of bulk purchase. Uh, yeah, agree with what you're saying there, mate. And um, again, some really great comments from, from listeners this week, uh, which we're really grateful for. Uh, keep the comments coming. Use the hashtag opinions, and you may very well find yourself in this next section of the show. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know. Write it down. Let us know your thoughts and bitter in lingerness. Write it down. First up from Johnny Beerboy at Johnny Beerboy. Another great show, lads. Appreciate the kind words. Also, being up at 4 a.m. to get to work for my PPE deliveries means I could be in contention to be your earliest listener. Hashtag only 4 a.m. fan. Um, it's a lovely little flip in these longer than normal seeming weeks, and it serves as a klaxon that the weekend is closing in, in which I know isn't a lot for others, but it's still my time to be at home and drinking beers. That's a really nice comment. Um, yeah. So thanks for sharing that, uh, Johnny. Um, and you know, anything, you know, anyone who sees what we do as being a bit of a positive, um, that makes me smile. Uh, Mark Johnson at Mark N. Johnson, um, speech, speech quotations here. The pub association of Dublin obviously loved his suggestions by bringing them to the Irish government. Fab listened to a bit of a discussion about my recent blog post and another fun snippet. Yes, well, you know, the Irish government seems very keen on Mark's thoughts about how to reopen bars. So well, uh, it seems as though the German government does as well. Yeah, so maybe there's some sort of advisory role for Mark in the future here. <laughs> Could be the the um, I was going to say maybe the Dominic Cummings, but maybe no one wants to be called that. Mm, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so from uh, Rich Taylor. Great snippet chaps and some really interesting discussions, especially regarding pubs opening. I have many views on this, but Twitter doesn't allow me to type all of my ramblings. All I know is a lot of pubs will not survive, but hopefully those that do are well supported. I think there's going to be a lot more views to be shared over the coming months as we get closer to that possibility happening anyway. So I don't think this will be the last time we, we mention this subject. No, I think it's something we keep coming back to, isn't it? it yeah. It's it's very much a looming sort of umbrella, dark cloud ahead of us is is the fallout once once this is all over, once 
the furlough scheme stops once any sort of you know loans and guarantees once that all dries up that's when we really are in danger as an industry uh, both both as bars and breweries as well i mean we didn't start off this year particularly great we've lost summer wine pretty early on this year and i don't think they'll be the last i think this will be a genuinely dangerous year for for both sides both consumer and producers so it is a case that we do have to support you know not everybody has the money to but those that can we really should be supporting what we can and where we can i think i think that's a great point like i said i think we're gonna revisit this over the coming months and you know again anything i will say is hopefully more than less breweries and bars do survive and the ones that do are the ones we all love know and appreciate as well from Simon Dewhest at Simo Sloth. Great show as always, guys. Maybe a future opinions could be Sabro. Yes or no? No! No! <laughs> Personally, I've enjoyed beers I've tried which have had it in it, but I can only spoke, cope with it in small quantities. Um, no. No more Sabro. And I'm checking every beer from this point forward as well. So, um, or Sriracha. What about a beer with Sabro and Sriracha? Oh, don't even. Don't, don't even. Um, from your boy, Rob Edwards, at Rob underscore Edwards 90. Another great episode, guys. Thanks for making Thursday morning interesting. It's what we're here to do. Uh, we like to consider ourselves a public service uh, <laughs> at these times. Um, from Paul at UNRCD, another great podcast, which joined me on a lovely walk around the park, thinking about how the hope would uh, work under the new possible rules. The front bar is very small, so I think customers would need to enter either via the garden and use the outside areas, conservatory and marquee table service would work but i would limit groups to households only and no children maximum stay of two hours and food available i can type these i can see these type of rules being in place until there is a proven vaccine so that could be christmas 21 let's hope it's not that long that seems like an awfully long time away but you know we're, we're definitely looking at 2021 some point vaccine wise i would yeah. imagine yeah and then you've got to roll it out haven't you that's that's the thing and then finally from Insignificant at Discombobulated. Um, Rob, please change the first part of your name. You're not Insignificant. You've, you've definitely got to change that because I hate reading that out on every Yeah, car. I agree. I really do. Yeah, we know you, Rob. Change yeah. it. Um, after seven weeks with only electronic payments, might now be a good time to revisit the cash versus tap um, payment for beer poll and people's plans for after lockdown ends hashtag opinions that's a great shout actually we did that poll I think it was about 18 months almost two years ago and we have very much moved into a contactless society now haven't we well you're not even signing for deliveries these days yeah yeah um some great comments there from, from from everyone and we do encourage people to keep the comments coming on every show we do use the hashtag opinions final thoughts on the beers that we have all been enjoying then so we'll start with uh paul how has your esb gone down mate very very good um i'm always a bit wary with traditional brewers who do bottle condition because usually they are very well filtered but in this case Yes, it is, but it still very much holds on to that very classic English hot bitterness. It's very much, I don't want to say it's all fuggles and goldens driven, but it very much feels that way. I know they use a lot of magnum as well. It's just, this is, I think when people talk about very traditional English beer, this is what people are thinking of. But plenty of examples just don't hit that point. But 
I can't fault Swanee Brewery ever. They've they've never put a foot wrong. Like I say, they're mostly cask driven. They've had they like everybody else has had to pivot to small pack, whether that's bottles or cans. So it's I always I always recommend them. Um, I've been on panels where their beers have popped up, and yeah, their beers have shone through above everybody else. So no, this is <laughs> this is perfect Sunday evening. This is perfect anytime beer, really. I'm actually craving something like that right now. <laughs> I, I, I really am. Your description of it there as well. Um, my India Palau, uh, the, the the all together from Signature Brew, um, feels like a bit of a confused beer. Um, it's it's very East Coast leaning. There's a little bit of dankness in there. It's trying to be a little bit of West Coast. It's not one for me. It's it's not my sort of style of beer that I would choose to drink. Well, I mean, I've got one of those to try. Um, you know, when Signature Brew sent us a beer, they sent us four four beers each. So I'll uh, I'll give that a go and uh, I'll tap it in and share it on Twitter to see what my thoughts are. But I haven't tried it yet. But however, the fruited goes is spectacularly good. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it is brilliant. I haven't really got anything to add to what I described it about fifteen minutes ago, but it's gone, and I actually did have to drag it out. I could have finished it in twice the time or half the time. Yeah, but yeah, really nice. Uh, if you see it and you get a chance to try it and it's that kind of uh, beer that you like, you won't be disappointed. I think it's a fairly limited edition as well, isn't it? So certainly if you do want to order some brews from Signature Brew, I believe they're also doing the buy the NHS a pint scheme as well. Uh, and obviously two of the beers that were featured tonight are donating to um, good causes as well as at the moment. So if you are looking for somewhere to put in your next order, uh, maybe consider Signature Brew and, and certainly get a load of that fruit it goes Definitely. because it is really tasty. I think we're about there then. So, so, so Paul, thanks for, thanks for joining us as this week's guest drinker. No um, where can folk find you on Twitter if they want to have a chat with you? At, on Twitter, I'm sure it'll be linked in the show notes, but it's at Can I Get a Pee? Uh, I'm there. I usually have some spicy hot takes on beer and the beer industry as well. I'm, I'm always happy to come back and rant and rave as well about whatever as well. Brilliant. Well, it's been great to have you with us. Yeah, it's been um, fun. It's been fun. Yeah, it's been, it's been a good time. Uh, Martin, do you know what we're doing next week? No idea, mate. Okay. I generally uh, have no idea. Would you like me to tell you? Yes, please. Uh, I think we're going to do, we're going to talk about associations in, in, in beer, aren't we? So where you've got like tie-ins with a brewery with another industry. Or so like Signature Brew with their, doing it with recording artists and the Manchester Punk Festival, that kind of thing. Yeah. As an example. Um, so we'll, we'll be chatting about that. Not sure what we're drinking yet. We, we haven't quite decided, but we'll be back again uh, next week to, to share some more opinions and to drink some more beer. So Definitely. until then, uh, cheers, everyone. Cheers. cheers.